0: Hey, Peter. What's up, Adam? Do you remember that film in the 80s, uh, Beverly Hills Cop?
1: Beverly, well, <laughs> which one? One, two, or three? Actually,
0: Uno, dos, tres. Actually, all of them. Do you remember the theme to the main character and what it was
1: called? <sighs> well, Axel Foley, Axel, Foley, Axel F, Sweet. Axel F. Very good. Do you remember how that went? <laughs>
0: <laughs> How did I know it was going to go there? I'm Adam Manis. And I'm Peter Martin. And you're listening to the You'll Hear Podcast. Music
1: advice coming at you
0: coming at you today sponsored by open studio go to openstudiojazz.com for all your jazz lesson needs Ow, you just, hey you know what peter uh let's let's get down to brass tacks here just so everybody knows there might be some banter up front oh just to <laughs> if you think
1: if you're allergic to hilarious banter <laughs> then, then you're uh, gonna do fine here <laughs> <laughs> then you're at a safe space is, is there's what what none of that
0: uh yeah today we are doing another episode uh i love the 80s really our seven favorite 80s albums now there's no this could
1: be like a vh1 uh show except they don't put jazz on there so this is like the vh1 i love the 80s what happened to that band
0: i was pushing it already don't get us sued buddy (laughs) that's right that's right behind the the music
1: (laughs) behind the the jazz club
0: (laughs) um so today we are listing our seven favorite uh 80s albums and you know, uh, full disclosure here, these are actually Pierre Martin's seven <laughs> favorite <laughs> I was gonna
1: say, we should have said that earlier. Well, we are at the beginning of the show, so Because
0: I had a very busy time uh been preparing some exciting stuff for open studio, so and also I don't this isn't my strongest <laughs> I'm I'm trying to be delicate here, but I don't know this decade as well as you know it. I definitely have my favorites. There's some Keith Jarrett in there. What he's trying that- to say is
1: Adam was born on new year's eve between 1989 (laughs) and 1990 whatever that is
0: i'm a 90s kid no uh, i was i was i grew up in the 80s but i wasn't into jazz until the 90s so i don't really I, i haven't really hit this decade as much as i should have but some of these that i know are on our list i'm very excited to listen to because you've hit me to so much music from here that's been very 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 good and so uh that's why our subtitle for this episode uh, is the most underrated decade because I actually think it is it, it it is not talked about enough how good some of the music uh was coming out of the 80s
1: yeah I, I agree and I'm totally full disclosure I'm totally biased about the 80s because especially like right in the middle of the 80s this was really my kind of coming coming of age in terms of my love for this music my uh inspiration from this music my of awakening to great recordings and of course many of them you know most folks you get into jazz and then you go down the rabbit hole of like oh my god my Herbie Hancock and so then you're like going back to the 60s and the set you know and I of course I did that but I it was very exciting for me because at first you know the 80s I'm listening to the radio great records are coming out I mean you know Thriller came out when I was in seventh grade yeah. and it's like hit after hit it comes on the radio prince. You got your little Prince you know you got your cassette recorder and cassette quarter sorry I don't know if you know Cassette about that. Cassette quarter? Cassette quarter. Is that
0: the little rectangle one? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And yeah. then I had the boombox and you record stuff off the radio. So it's like new releases. So when I got into jazz, um, I was also into just new stuff that came out and musicians that were coming, um, like this very first artist that we're gonna uh play for you. Like this album, I heard it live first, actually. So it's yeah. a very unique thing in jazz. It still exists and it has at different times. But I was the recipient of that. of like hearing this music back. Like, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. And then the record comes out a few months later, the record drops. So I mean, like my connection, uh, I'm a little biased. That's all I'm saying. So, is that okay? Yeah. So let's hear our very first album. What do you got for us? Okay. So first, now we've, this has been on the pod before, I would say. Several times. Several times. <laughs> There's the album up there. If you're on YouTube, you can check it out. But this is Black Codes from the Underground. This was 1985. And um, this is Kenny Kirkland on piano, Branford Marsalis on saxophones, Wynton Marsalis, of course, on trumpet, Uh, a very young Charnet Moffat, 16, 17 years old, and the incredible Jeff Tane Watts at the drums. And this record, I think, uh, this was not Wynton's first record. I think it was like his third or fourth. Maybe I think there was Wynton Marsalis, Think of One. Maybe this was his third record on Columbia. You still very young quintet was happening. But I think this was a pivotal record because it... uh, it really kind of typified and and crystallized the sound of that group that a lot of folks were really trying to kind of imitate Although this group was being accused of stealing everything from the classic Miles Davis quintet from the instrumentation and the makeup and the way the records were put together and everything. So it was kind of an interesting thing. And we're going to get to Miles in a minute anyway because he he um, factors very heavily in the 80s as well.
0: Well, but to that point, just like we were talking about before about um, you know some young pianists and maybe Keith Jarrett's influence on them yeah. or whatever, I think this album, you, know, you can hear the influence, but it's definitely its own thing. I don't think yeah. you can accuse anybody here Of, like, being too strongly influenced by this. This is its own sound. I mean, there's Kenny Kirkland and Jeff Tane Watts, and all the soloists, of course, just make it, you know, at the
1: time it felt so modern and raw. Yeah.
0: If anything, it just has that same energy. Yeah. You know what I mean?
1: And I'm glad you mentioned Jeff Watts and kenny kirkland because i think that i mean everybody on this record but i think what those they, two though oh it's just you know, they've got incredible. some magic yeah so we're gonna check out i mean it could have been anything from this record actually fun fact ron carter shows up on one track on this not the one we're gonna play but plays beautifully the great ron carter yeah friend of the pod friend of the pod friend of the pod yeah, okay it's fun to say but we're gonna play Delphi's dilemma we hope you enjoy bar for you there ah. so man that thing jeff I mean, Watts
0: just played. i
1: mean it's just great stuff
0: that the kenny kirkland that's like uh i mean that is the the foundation of modern comping isn't yes. it like that feels like so i could have been recorded yesterday i mean yeah. it just feels so present
1: and i love the way this record you know it's it's a little bit artificial the way that it's mixed and produced and mastered but i love this sound but that's partly because i came up like hearing the sound but I think it's like the drums are so wide and like just in front and in behind like it's just it's like 3d drums you hear it in the mix especially when you got the cans on yeah um but the piano I think is really crisp there's a lot of verb the separation that would probably be the only fault I would have a little bit everything is so separate sounding it's almost a little bit anesthetic anesthesia anesthesia I don't know and antiseptic 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 it's a little bit antiseptic uh, antiseptic but um can we just jump in here a little bit of um what what's going on I'm just trying to uh, he's, he's, i'm not sure
0: i'm still not sure if that's the antiseptic
1: word. you know like just yeah, yeah. where everything's clean and, yeah, and yeah. separate um because like the reverb levels are a little bit different on stuff but i, I it's definitely the sound of of the mid-80s for sure but let's just hear a little bit of kenny kirk but you're here i'm talking about with the drums or just the expansiveness <laughs> Check out the technique. Uh oh, boobadoodah weedly. Uh oh, Branford. Oh, that was still legal back then. Let's check that again. That's the lick. Oh, repeat it. Very free,
2: freedom.
1: Ah. Edit, Hard edit Greatest, you know, it's great stuff. It's yeah. great stuff. We just listened to that for the rest of the show. It's amazing. That three four bar in there, if you can catch that, it's it's a funny thing. Like, I don't know why. I think I asked Winton about this We we gotta get Winton on the pod. We gotta get Winton on the pod. There's a lot of pressing I'm calling questions. Him. I'm calling him. He Winton, like, yeah, and we talked about it. he was by our doorway, you know, a few months ago, almost entered the pod. Did you know that? No. Yeah. I, well you might not know. Why known. didn't he come in? I he he had to Go, go something somewhere. else to yeah, do something to do he was on his way in but the thing is yeah there's a three four bar there so fun fact on that we're gonna move on though because we got a lot of other fun stuff well we have six more. that's so good did we bring did we bring the fire i think well, well yeah Kirkland. black codes is, that's <laughs> always the fire yeah okay next what we have here we are going to in one fell swoop check the pond we are going to make up for an egregious error from last week from two weeks ago, an omission. From the 90s? Omission of fact, and that the fact is that Mulgrew Miller was a giant of the piano in the 80s and the 90s, even back to the 70s, and into the 2000s as well. So, with One Fell Swoop, as it were, boom, let me see here, with Wingspan, One Fell Swoop, hello, we're gonna make up for that. Genius, this record. Yeah, here we go. This is Wingspan title cut. (laughs) Ah, oh, that's a good sound right there. Yeah, oh, that's the 80s right there.
0: Ah, uh, dry. Is
1: that Lewis Nash? I don't know. Is that digitally remastered? <laughs> oh, no, Tony is. Man, my bad. Of course. Kenny Garrett on the saxophone. Kenny Garrett on the saxophone. And I hate to even fade this up, but we got a lot of stuff to get through. Kenny Garrett, Tony Reedus, of course, the great Tony Reedus. We lost him way Steve too Steve Nelson. Steve Nelson, you know, hello. What?
0: This might be the first Steve Nelson shout-out on the You'll Hear It podcast
1: I ever. And that, that, that is egregious. egregious. It is. A, a, a master all the way up to today, but definitely of the 80s sound. Oof. And you know what I love about this and about Mulgur Miller? Like this... As much as the when, and this is when is this? This is right around the same. This 87, is a couple eighty seven, a couple of years later. But this group of Kenny Garrett and then Steve Wilson, friend of the Pod, friend of the Open Studio, uh, came into this band as well later. But you know, this was very much like taking that classic. I, I hate to say whatever post bop, Neil, but whatever the hell they call it. But you know, taking that more straight ahead, even than like Wenton's Quintet, but just like putting it through a very not afraid to make it an eighties kind of sound and everything. And this is a uh, Keep News produced record so it's a little bit of a different sound a little drier than that columbia sound i sure. always thought this was a very soulful sounding record i think I so i don't
0: think this sounds very uh sterile or anything like that no no
1: no. I and i think you know what it reminds me of i mean this was recorded in the studio but this reminds me of, like that vanguard sound very dry it's dry very accurate in very a, in a chunky way exactly yeah no was no, great and, and i don't you know, know why like... this is in a <laughs> chunky <laughs> <laughs> a chunky way um can we just jump to a little bit of piano solo because we love Yeah. Oh, i mean just Ah.
2: Uh.
0: Never, yep. I never got to meet Mulgrew Miller, oh. and I heard he was the nicest guy, like I heard man, he was the, the coolest sweetest, cat. Sweetest guy, There's, look at his hands, and
1: man he was just-
0: I saw I've never actually met him though. He
1: was such a uh, giving guy, I'm like he showed me, I mean all the young pianists, um, you know, he was super like generous and but just like encouraging, and just a cool guy to hang around, like I was always really nervous around him for obvious reasons. But he somehow made me like feel at ease and would like always compliment me about just, you know, so he was a liar, basically. <laughs> he what? complimented and said he enjoyed my playing. So, you know. oh, but he was on. such a nice guy. He decided to do that. No, he was just he's just a cool dude. I mean, the way he plays, the way he solos, you know, I think like like a lot of great musicians. When your technique gets really good, what what that really is about is about the accuracy of your personality and your soul and your story and your per- personality, everything coming out in your playing on a piano, which is not the easiest instrument for our personalities to come through. Until you get to that really high level, not only of of technique, but just of you know confidence and understanding of why you're put on the planet in the case of somebody like Mulgrew Miller. So, like, whenever I heard him play, like, him hanging with him and talking to him and having him tell stories and stuff was very much intertwined, for sure.
0: You know what is a common thread here in these first two tracks, man? And it makes me think about um, teaching and, and our own playing and how we can... How we can listen to this critically and and apply some of these lessons to our own playing, but both Kenny Kirkland and Mulgrew Miller there's a lot of risk in their playing Mm. there's a lot of mastery but there certainly wasn't perfection you know in in either of the examples that we just heard like there were things gone for and things hit and some things missed but like the spirit remained open and generous as it was happening to where it's like you know, it feels good no matter what's going on, and you trust that uh, an interesting, generous idea is going to be uh, presented to you. You know, right. at, at at the time of even something not being perfect, right?
1: And I mean, actually, the beginning of the Kenny Kirkland solo on the on the um, Delphi's Dilemma that we heard. There was a little bit of uh, incongruity and a little bit of unsettled and maybe mistake, you might call it, between Jeff Watts and Kenny Kirkland. You know, example of what you're saying, not perfection, but so much humanity and interesting stuff. And then when um, Jeff Watts, he hits that snare drum thing where it kind of lines things back up again. Such an interesting part of the story, Mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. All right. We're going to move on as the 80s moved on. Now, this record was a super... Big deal when it came out I mean this was like probably one of the biggest records I would have had the feeling it probably won a Grammy Or nominated for sure Everybody was talking about this record And it was really sort of a big deal And I'll just sort of throw it up there I'm kind of a big deal (laughs) These folks were kind of a big deal for sure Um, And that is Pat Metheny and Ornette Coleman Charlie Hayden, Jack Dijonette And Donardo Coleman um... Who's in the band? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly The front of the record is the same as the back of the record but this is um, Song X, and what are we going to listen to? Oh, actually, yeah, Song X. This, this entire record, I believe, somebody can correct me if I'm wrong on this, as I recall, is improvised. I mean, it's free, what what they would call free jazz and just totally improvised. And I don't know how much of it was worked out, but I think very little. But this was a very exciting record and really kind of, like, opened me up to a lot of possibilities at the time it came out. Oh, wait, hold on. See, I got my volume low, bruh. Bruh, come on, bro. Come on, cause we got two different places we're controlling things. See what's happening? We should just set things up the uh, f- and write them down from the week before. Okay. <laughs> Charlie, sorry, I I mean to cut it off that that abruptly, but that Charlie Hayden coming in with that line, so definitely was more uh, worked out. I forgot about that at the beginning. It's not totally free, but it's a lot of free free because this this melody at the beginning. Ah. Uh. Ah. Uh. So and I was just reading up on it, uh, Adam, and I didn't realize this. I guess I forgot this from the time um, Coleman's saxophone tone, when combined with a saxophone preset on Pat Metheny's guitar synthesizers, which he'd modified, created an ensemble blend that was surprising to both of them. That's awesome. Yeah, there's no one
0: better at that thing than Ornette Coleman. I mean, yeah, it's just he. It's so grounded. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's so soulful it's it's so like for being so frantic and dissonant he is the master yeah he truly is
1: he's he's one of the greatest ever and song x has a bunch of like there's a lot of it's not all as frantic sounding as that it's like a it's a really just well put together record. it was on geffen records which was very unusual at the time to have like a jazz record it was it was a big deal but it's just a beautiful this is a great record to listen to from beginning to end and I would say put on your LP, but we're getting into like 1985, 86. You might be pulling your CD player out, big guy. Yeah, absolutely. You might be going 24-bit up on this bad boy. Well, it's digitally remastered. Well, of course, it's doubly remastered. But you might want to get, what would be an appropriate um, uh, uh, elixir or or vino to have with Song X? That might be like... Um, I feel like it's a Bartles and James. No, no, well, because it's the eighty, <laughs> I know. No, no, but something that's like... Zima? Little, no, that was 90s. Like a Bruno de Montalcino. Oh, from I get it. Smooth, but yeah. a little aggressive and high-end for sure. You know? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know what I'm talking about, but that's it could fit. Who knows? <laughs> um, but that's Song X. So if you haven't heard that, I highly recommend it. I mean, Ornette Coleman, and I, I love all his stuff. He's He was a huge loss as well. But you hear already from the Kenny Garrett we heard earlier, like the influence of Ornette on saxophone players in the 80s was just massive. I mean, Branford Marsalis and Steve Wilson and, and um, for sure Kenny Garrett. All right, so we're moving along here on our romp through the 80s. This is a cocaine-infused and pre heroin time. (laughs) Sorry, I'm just kidding. It was the 80s. I mean, you know, you're not lying. Uh, No, just kidding. That was, you know, this was a Charlie Sheen-infested Wall Street-induced playlist. Okay, now here where we go, I'm really excited about this one because what do you know? If I were to say the Chick Corea Trio, one of the many great tri- Chick Corea Trio. Oh, is is a that something one. that would interest you? This is, yes, very much so. <laughs> so this record uh, was, was was a great was actually a double record because it was the music of Thelonious Monk and a trio music released together. And then I think that was like the LP. And then I can't remember if they did two CDs on when the CD came out. But ECM, of course. This is the classic Chick Corea Trio that he recorded with back in the late 60s and then um, played with many, many times over the years. But... Uh, I think this really kind of uh, is a great example and really typifies Chick's sound. I mean, he was just had an outsized presence on the 80s. Like, he did every decade he was alive. I was going to say, what decade <laughs> did Chick not have an outsized presence? But the 80s, you know, he was really, like, in his prime as he was in every 70s. the 70s, in the, 70s and the 60s, in <laughs> the 90s, yeah. Yeah. So we're going to check this out. This is actually, I, I was kind of torn because there's so much great stuff. There's some great originals and sort of improv stuff with this trio it was really interesting. But I love this uh, rhythm inning. Careful, man. Careful with this label here. Why? What's that? Sorry. I'm just... Uh... Let's give it a go. Let's give okay, it a go. Okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <Oof.
2: laughs>
1: that's it. And that's, that's all, a great that's second. Play. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that's all we can play. I can tell that's going to be so swinging. <laughs> Oh, you're right. I totally forgot. Okay, ECM. Ixnay on the ECMA. (laughs) Yeah, so can we do like little... We could do little...
0: Oh, what sound? The sound quality is so good.
1: That's why they're so possessive of it. Okay, that's enough. That's enough. (laughs) Okay, sorry. sorry. Okay, that's it. So check out Trio Music. (laughs) (laughs) By Korea Chick, Vitus Miroslav, and
0: Haynes Roy. Can we just take a pause here and just talk about <laughs> how crazy this is that we have to talk
1: about know, it like this? I know. When it's like you want to share with people. We got to get our attorney people. on on speed it's dial. ridiculous. I got to get Rick Beato on the horn to help us out of our a jam so we're about so to so get stupid. in. stupid. Are we still live? Are we still live? Let us know if we're still live. They, so just so you guys, if you don't know what we're talking about here on the, on the YouTube for the podcast, we're safe. But um, certain labels restrict, and they have something called copyright. Is it called copyright ID? Something ID? Something that they can match what we're playing, and rightfully so. But we're here spreading the love, trying to get you all to go and buy and stream this it's, music. You know it's what I'm a, saying? It's
0: an interesting time for all of this, you know. So it's not like we're we're trying to stream the music in order to gain funds from it. We're talking about it. <laughs> That's right. You know.
1: Um, okay. Cool. So now, I don't know if a certain record called. Round Midnight soundtrack to the movie would interest you, but that's what we got queued up next. It sir. Certainly would, sir. Is this something that would interest you? Yes, sir. Okay, so this is such a great record. This was this really was a a touch point of the '80s for jazz. This was like a I mean, not necessarily a turning point because there was been the intersection of Hollywood and jazz many times over the years, but this was like a big moment in the '80s um, for, for for partly for this great uh, movie that was made around midnight that featured Dexter Gordon uh, in the, in the lead role, um, but also features so many great musicians, Herbie Hancock and, and Wayne Shorter and just Freddie Hubbard a slew of, and also the coincided with the revival of the blue note jazz record label as well. And so I love this record. And I remember when it came out, I remember when the movie came out, it was so exciting. And where do I have it on here? There's so many tracks. I wasn't sure what to do, but this one, the Peacocks with Wayne Shorter playing on this is just this is gorgeous. Yeah. It's gorgeous. Hold on a second. Are we safe for this one? Hopefully. bit of a busy bee with his comping there but in all the right ways wouldn't you say <laughs> if, you, if you can do it right there's no such thing as too busy that's right that's right uh great stuff great stuff so that's herbie hancock round midnight wayne shorter ron carter friend of the pod i think that's tony williams on the drums maybe one of our uh listeners can correct me on that but um that's the soundtrack to round midnight Note records was a real a wonderful moment, then, dude. This is a great
0: list. I'm just—I don't like to throw you such obvious props, but
1: props. Well, I mean, to you. It's 6:45 a.m. Boy. You texted me. Wait, you know what? Can I did I, can, text you. I'm, I'm a, I didn't even realize. <laughs> I'm up at like 5:30 every morning. I'm, you so know, I'm I up don't too. Even but think about it. I'm gonna read you the exact tech, tech oh, Text. Text. Here we go. Okay. Yo. <laughs> 6:58 a.m. Yo. Jesus. Can you put together an 80s playlist for you'll hear it today? <laughs> <laughs> also i only listened to van halen in the 80s so <laughs> that was awesome uh 658 awesome. 658 wow yes okay so that was we got one two three four five six of our seven favorite 80s albums we do have two bonuses billy higgins playing drums on that oh that's right. billy higgins of course yeah, of course of course billy higgins thank you for that um we have two bonuses because the eighties just kept on rolling. When you're on a on a cocaine infused bender through the eighties, of course. You gotta you gotta go to eleven. You know? It's three a.m. but Michael Douglas just walked into the bar. You can't leave. That's right. was oh, that Charlie Sheen and Martin Sheen together? Is that Glenn Close? What's up? Wait a second. Michelle Pfeiffer, where you at, girl? Dude, the Coreys just got here. We can't leave. The uh what's it? The Olsen twins. That's the <laughs> That's the nineties. Oh, that's the nineties. Well they weren't alive. Well maybe they weren't actually. I don't think they okay. were. Okay, sorry. Okay. Um all right, so this record may be one that you don't know young I like this. Because um this was like well, I have to check what year. This is maybe 83, 84 or something. This is Kevin Eubank's um opening night. And <laughs> You would Tonight think show? that I yeah. show, Kevin you guys? Yeah, yeah, same guy, but different. Actually, no, same. Well, no, this is before then. But this record uh, was just like the open. You know, so this is one of those records where the opening of it, and I'm vamping a little bit because I want to pull up the cover because this is the most '80s cover. This wins the award for our most '80s. Well. I think so. What Kevin do you Eubanks think? Kevin Eubanks was. That's a super 80s cover. <laughs> Look looks... at that. Leather jacket. Let's just check
0: out the whole thing. Is that a DVD to Eddie Murphy's stand up? <laughs> what is that? Man,
1: he looks like. He looks like. Yeah. He looks uh, like a
0: stand up comic.
1: I know. Okay, check out the pants. Perfectly creased. Yeah. Wide wailed. Neon opening night. The font. Does it get any more 80s than that?
0: That is. <laughs> the. Yeah, both. I was gonna say the the title of the album font, but also just Kevin, the Kevin Eubanks. Yeah, that's really good. And then the
1: prominent digital master. Digital masters master is almost as is like more prominent than the title of the record. Kevin was on,
0: I think he was on um, every album yeah. in the '80s and '90s. I mean, yeah. he literally was on like hundreds of yeah. records. He was everywhere. I saw him once live, and he was so
1: killing. Oh yeah, no, he's his master, and um, leather skinny tie. Does that get any more 80s than that? I actually had a leather skinny tie. Thank you very much. Did you? you he looks it like or... a private eye in, in, in um, Santa Barbara or something. Look at him. Okay, but this, I mean, this I think is one of the best uh, openings to any record. I mean, it, the thing is called Opening Night, and the track is called Opening Night. And Brand from Arsalis and um I was gonna have Brand from Arsalis track, I had to take it off, but he's on several of the things that we've heard. Trio GP and, oh yeah, I, I skipped over something by accident. So we're gonna go back to that. This is number six, actually. I missed one. Um, but this is opening night from Kevin Eubank's opening night on GRP records. GRP.
2: <laughs>
0: Those are the crispiest symbols in the world. <laughs> Who's playing drums
1: on it? I, I think it's Jeff Watt, but I should know that. <laughs> oh, Smitty, of course.
0: Harvard Smitty Smith. That makes sense. Yeah.
1: i never tried to learn this line. This part I could learn, that beginning was... I mean that's that's very '80s, very very burnout, you know. Definitely, you know, with Branford with that connection with the Marsalis brothers. Now explain brothers. the
0: burnout to the folks. Burnout. Um, I don't know. I was talking, I mean, I was it, talking it, with Max about this. So you know, Max uh, Gamiz our our in-house transcriber. Yeah. After we did the '90s, he and the the spoiler alert he transcribed uh, a little bit of Kenny Kirkland on two down one across. Ooh. We have that available to We us. will probably doing something with that in the that next That is week something or so. that would interest me. <laughs> I know. I look at you perk up. What? We have the transcription Whoa. of that? Yes, we do. And it's nice. awesome. But he was like, Max messaged me, and he was like, what is the chord changes? That I feel like it's all just E flat, <laughs> right. Rainer. But he's like, but Kenny Kirkland's doing all this stuff. What are the chord changes there? I'm like, no, no, no. That's called E-flat burnout. That's right. That's <laughs> There right. are no chord that's changes. Right. It's just hovering around E-flat.
1: Right. And you put in these things, yeah. kind of like shape around the harmony. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that's what it is. I mean, it's just, you know, sometimes there was changes, sometimes there wasn't. But a lot of times you're just hovering around. It's in a key, and it's minor, it's major, and you're taking it in and out. And the form is flexible. And But there is a form. You know, it's just that it's very flexible. So it's not, it's not like you're in a groove and you're playing a certain way but i mean jeff watts marvin smitty smith too big props to, to yeah. marvin smitty smith because i mean he pushed a lot of this forwards during this time uh as well between him and um this is uh, a killing band yeah killing for sure okay so i've skipped over one in the pl- well i mean this is in no particular order but right here this is gonna be number seven okay of our uh seven favorite 80s albums and this is really exciting because this is a gentleman that you may or may not have heard of, Adam. So we're going a little bit under the radar on this oh, one. Oh, so this might be a little hidden gem here. Yes. For uh, an artist. I'm always looking for new artists to, uh, to, to find, so them. I'm very excited if about this. If you look this. on the monitor behind me, okay. see, are you familiar with the gentleman out of East St. Louis, Illinois? Miles Davis. Uh, <laughs> he's got catfished into that. Okay. So this is Tutu from Tutu. This was album he dedicated to, sorry, I'm trying to mess with this thing here, um, Reverend Desmond Tutu, yeah. who got the Nobel Peace Prize out of South Africa. There's your DX7 sound, buddy. we Hills Cop movie, like a little dark scene in the L.A. back. back I love backwards. Tutu man.
0: I mean, don't great. you miss orchestra hits? Yeah, like the synth orchestra <laughs> hits. It's so weird for me. So uh, I mentioned that I'm I'm changing houses, whatever. So yep. literally yesterday I threw out the Roland XP50 that Ooh. yeah that uh, I got as like a. How you throw that out? man? Well, because it hasn't worked since the year 2002. <laughs> <laughs> I got it in like '95, and it has—it literally hasn't worked. But it was my first professional gigging keyboard. You yeah. know, oh, so many wedding bands, uh, so many wedding gigs <laughs> in that right. keyboard, key, Pete. Uh, that thing logs some miles. It really—I ha- honestly hasn't been able to turn on since like 2005. Okay, um, and I threw it away. But all the sounds on there because it was from about 10 years after yeah, this album, yeah, yeah. all came from this right. specific era of Miles. Yeah. Like, that's how influential Miles was even in the 80s. I don't think people realize that, but these sounds were like, you hear like like bad 90s smooth jazz, right. like really like not good, yeah, not yeah, thoughtful. Yeah. Sounds yeah. like bad version of this. Exactly. It's like 10 that's years the, later. They're behind the time. They're behind they're the, behind, the, the, the behind. Miles the time. was always one step ahead.
1: Yeah, and I don't know a lot about, um, I didn't get the chance to hear Miles around this time, um, well, actually, earlier than this, and and around this time, but uh, he got a chance to open for him with a band back in '90. Oh, that was in the '80s. That was in '90. But the thing is, um, this is Marcus Miller. I don't know how much. I think a whole lot. Like, I mean, he produced and him and Tommy Lapuma produced this record. But I mean, you can hear him playing on it. He's doing bass clarinet on some stuff, and did a lot of programming, drum programming, synthesizer program, all that kind of stuff. Marcus Miller did all that. Yeah, yeah. I know mean, he didn't do all of it, and I'm just looking here like a- Adam Holtzman uh, did some stuff and different people. But I mean, Marcus Miller's hands are all over this record. You know, I'm mean, sure he's yeah, he's a master at this sound specifically. It's so great, man. But it ha- has... that's '80s, but that's a good '80s. I can get with that. It, it, if if this is an '80s sound, is this something I could interest you in, Adam?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. I'm gonna I'm gonna listen to this record tonight, man. I forgot how much I love this sound. it's yeah, so
1: good. It's good. Cool. So that is our seven. That's our seven favorite albums from the '80s. But like we said, there, we got a couple bonuses, and these are ones I kind of wanted to throw out because you may not know them, our folks may not know them. They're a little bit lesser known, but these were like big records that had a huge impact on me. The first one I'm gonna play is uh, Do I have this one queued up in here? I think so. This was another GRP, I believe. GRP, big shout out to GRP. Their stuff looked corny in eighties when we look back on it, but it was hip at the time, and the music was killing. So Dave Groosten's lately, yeah.
0: right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. He I had back. um I had a couple of GRP big band albums in the nineties that were really good.
1: Yeah, yeah. The, the GRP big band. Yeah, Dave Weckel. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So this is Dizzy Gillespie, New Faces. Okay, another Kenny Kirkland appearance, which is part of the reason, like. I remember just... I was just so into Kenny when I heard him live around this time and then this record came out. But I also got a chance to see Dizzy Gillespie who came to Columbia, Missouri and I drove out there got to see him around the same time 84, 85 or something. So this is... um, That's cool. Yeah, it's cool. Columbia's not cool but that was cool. No, that must have been awesome. It was. Um, So this is... Burke's Works. We good? Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. That's a little digital, digital...
0: Record. But just stop, stop it. So start it again. But just dizzy is so swinging. I know. I mean, even with the with the digital, oh, the, the digital compression and reverb yeah. coming right in your face. That's right. His sound and his. I mean, his, I mean, him. He yeah. is so swinging. Play that again. That was okay. great. Yes, sir. Sorry. I, no 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 I, I, I love to hear it again. <laughs>
1: Is that a digital Roland recorder shoved inside of his his Harmon mute? There, that's what know. it sounds like. Man, it's incredible.
0: It's you can hear just the years of swing. Yeah.
1: This is how the producer should have been like. Ah, Dizzy, can you take do another take and swing it harder this time? Come on, Dizzy. <laughs> sorry. Oops, sorry. Gave it away. Ah.
0: It's a very Question uh, Is that an electric Or an it's acoustic a, bass it's a very This is
1: actually This is Lonnie Plaxico oh. uh, Yeah this is a very 80's Direct bass sound It's a direct bass yeah. sound Yeah That's not something I was crazy about I love Lonnie Plaxico But You don't get but, a lot of that anymore No Thankfully This is Kenny Kirkland Brad from Marsalis Drums Robert Amin So the bass is a little bit like It kind of sounds like oh, I can't even go ahead
0: Well yeah when you make that face You should see his face listeners I can see I don't think Let's that's what Ronnie Plaxico Looked like when no,
1: no 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 but that's the way it sounds with that Direct, direct. Check it out
0: Is he? So, for our listeners who don't know, the bass, you can have a pickup or you can have a mic on it to get a sound of it. Like you can have a pickup on it, like you would an acoustic guitar, yeah. and it gets you this sound. This is the sound of a yeah. pickup. It's is a this direct. a mix,
1: you think, or just the, it, just it the pickup? It might be
0: a mix, but it's definitely very it's pickup. It's like a 90 10 <laughs> Yeah. So, a lot of live concerts you might hear will have a mix between a, like a mic on the bass and the pickup. And in in order to get sort of a clean sound from the pickup, but you want the natural sound of the bass because mics tend to pick up things like drums and guitars and trumpets and stuff like that, so you can't turn them up super loud. Basses are notoriously quiet. Yes. Uh, So there's the difference. If you wanted to hear, like, uh, a bass with just a mic, listen to anything before 1976.
1: That's right. That's right. All right, we got one more track here, and that is going to be featured. This was another Blue Note kind of revival record um with none other than freddie hubbard and woody shaw this is great record. you know what i'm saying is that is that good enough and it's called double take because you have to, these guys i mean to have them together woody shaw we don't give him enough love to here on this oh woody shaw podcast. exactly Amazing. my yeah. bad my bad um so no, this, that's on me that's on me that's on you you're bad I can, i'm always like woody shaw woody shaw come on let's do woody shaw and i'm like no no and I, I remember why. seeing him around this time at the village vanguard like 85 or 86 yeah uh, Woody Shaw With his band With Steve Teray, A very young Terry Lynn Carrington I mean like a teenage ter- Terry wow. Lynn Carrington Probably um, uh, Mulgrew Mulgrew on Mulgrew well, Miller on if Piano. you look
0: here On who's on this album There's a very uh, Looks like a very Familiar lineup there
1: Yes And this is of, of course Friend of the pod Carl Allen Carl Allen yes. One of the great drummers Of his generation Cecil McBee on bass And Kenny Garrett So this is uh, Sandu Our second bonus. <laughs> Separation. Hard pan. Hard pan. That's a woody isn't put it there. That major third to the minor third.
2: Uh. It's
1: radical, dude. Alright, so I'm gonna. It's totally radical. Yeah. Uh, a little, just a little Kenny Garrett here, come on. I know he featured probably in the 90s. A young Kenny Garrett. Young Carl Allen. Yes. Yes. Woo! Freddie Hubbard with some verb. I
0: think the verb's too much. I'll be honest. Oh, Poodles is out.
1: Poodles.
0: (laughs) This reminds me a lot of when we trade with the blues at the beginning of the (laughs) show. Only different. (laughs) We need more reverb. That's
1: our problem. It's not that hard to play up that high. Everyone's like, Freddy can play so high. Oh, man. Dang. And then, of course, small group. I mean, I just, you know, I could listen to stuff all day. But this recording, I really feels like. The sound of it that's 80s right there very that's 80s, 80s. but i little, love the 80s sue it's, me it's sue a, me
0: because i love the 80s i was gonna say it's it's really really thick on the reverb and i was gonna say i'd love to hear what it would sound with less reverb maybe a little less bass too because yeah, it feels very bass heavy yeah. but on the flip side it's already in the bag this record's already made <laughs> that's right and we can enjoy it for what it is exactly. uh, which is man the playing on it is so spectacular but even the sound even that sound yeah. it's like I'm, I'm glad everything doesn't sound the same and has exactly. exactly some kind of it, like, on that first uh, solo break of Woody Shaw, I mean, especially with the tempo they're playing it and everything, yeah. <laughs> you're kind of thinking, like, da da da
2: da 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 da, da.
1: Yeah. That's in
0: your head, and I love how he gave it a beat and then just ripped into his own
1: language. Yeah. yeah it was so great. Yeah, this is a great record. The whole record is really, really fun, highly recommended. So, all right, well, I hope you guys enjoyed our little romp through the 80s. And uh, this was fun, man. Oh, what, what are we doing next?
0: Well, we do have that two down, one across from... The Kenny Kirkland solo. Oh, you're talking about what decade? <laughs> wow! I was going to say <laughs> back to the nineties. Back to the nineties. I was like, really? Are we already going back? Let's
1: go back. No, yeah, we could. I mean, we can go back to the nineties. No, no, no. We should. I mean, Pete, uh, let us know in the comment this. Let us know in the comments for YouTube. <sighs> If you're listening to this on the audio podcast, it's all good. I would say the Don't 50s, be scared to go to the YouTube. The fi- the fifties, but that's been the first three years of the podcast <laughs> <laughs> was the fifties. Exactly. Exactly. No man, you what know? about the sixties? How about a little Miles Davis and Herbie Hancock
0: from the sixties? That would be great. Yeah, something <laughs> we haven't talked about a lot. Uh, obviously the seventies. That's my favorite decade of music. I have think have you ever heard
1: a Herbie record called Secrets by any chance? Uh, is that something
0: that would interest you? Is that would you like to listen to that? I, I mean, like, like right now after the show, I'm down. Uh,
1: no, I've got it right here.
0: For, <laughs> yeah, I keep a copy in my jacket. Uh, the '70s, obviously. What about? the first the the aughts the 2000s the aughts, what does that mean what, well, what, what the hell is an aught? when it was the aughts i was very anti saying it as the aughts but now that we're in the 20s i feel like right. the aughts is, is obvious the teens the aughts right. so what about the aughts the first the first decade of the 2000s we could do that 2000 to 2010 you know we're going to hear some roy hargrove probably going to be some R Re-
1: oh sorry is that something that might interest you I got him. I got him. I got him. He's going to pull out his tissue. Hold on. Hold on. The best part's coming up. (laughs) I
0: mean, now that you started it, we have to listen to the part.
1: And this concludes our...
0: There we go. There we go. Okay, we can we can fade it out.
1: And then, and this is how we conclude our music of the '80s with, with more Herbie from
0: the '70s. That's great stuff.
1: If we yeah. have one fault, we have many faults. <laughs> if we have one fault, it's that we're a little bit um, liberal with our decades. <laughs> yeah.
0: So yeah, maybe, maybe the sloppy. next maybe the next de- decade will be early two thousands. Uh, we're yeah. getting a lot of already in the chat here. Kurt Rosenwinkel, that's a great idea. Yeah. can't can't talk about the aughts without that. That's right. Um, I think it'd be fun, man. There's a lot of stuff to uh,
1: talk about. Cool, cool. Well, this was good, man. Um, let's keep the eighties alive. And uh, until next time,
0: you'll hear it. Did you say keep the 80s alive? Yeah.